On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Happy birthday to us, Hollywood. Three years and going strong. What's up there, buddy? Now, a couple of weeks ago, you thought we were four. You can't even count to three right. Do you realize this? Are you good with numbers? Yeah. Do you know how much 312 times 123 is? 38376. Ray, do you know how much the square root of 2130 is? six. That's amazing. Dude, the years go by quickly and I lose track. And let's be honest, for the last two and a half, three months, it's been nothing but Groundhog Day. So as far as I'm concerned, we might be three. We might be four. Hell, for all I know, we've hit some sort of a wormhole and we're actually 10. I don't know. It's only been three. It just feels like 30. Boy, ain't that the truth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that goes that goes that goes both ways Jesus Christ the editing and the talking that we've done over the course of 3 years so for our third birthday to continue with the theme I think we've done this just about every year what is the theme of today's episode well we have this whole series we're doing with 1990 in August so what we figured is all right we turn 3 In August, we're doing 1990 series episodes. What bands, rock bands, basically hard rock bands, were releasing their third album in 1990, and we actually found five of them. So there's probably about 75 to 85 hard rock albums released in 1990. There's a bunch of other ones, too, probably nobody's ever heard of, blah, blah, blah but really about 75 to 85 that most people know about. And out of those, five of the bands were on their third album. So that's what we're going to talk about, those five albums. Yeah, and it's going to be a really nice sort of diverse list of hard rock records, some bands more popular than others. And uh, I think it'll be a great conversation. Uh, Like you mentioned, the entire month of August, we're sort of celebrating these albums that have hit their 30-year anniversary. 30 years, man, that's a long time. And some of these bands are still putting out music and still going strong. So it's definitely pretty cool to revisit some of these records that came out in 1990 because you and I, we've talked about it many times, 1990 The music landscape is starting to turn a little bit. It hasn't hit full-on grunge in 1990. There's still hard rock bands that are selling millions of records in 1990. And a couple of those records we're going to talk about today for sure. Yeah, the nice thing about these five, like you said, is diverse. One's just kind of getting started, really. 
two are at their height of popularity, probably. One was a never was and released a bunch of albums nobody knows about. And one was dead by the time we got here. So yeah, it should be interesting. You know, I was looking at the other thing. Check out these four movies that were on their third installment in 1990. Okay. Yeah. Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 came out in 1990. The Godfather Part 3, The Exorcist 3, and Back to the Future 3 all came out in 1990 also. I've not seen any of those movies. I'll tell you what, you haven't missed a whole lot. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'll be honest with you. Out of those three movies, or out of those, what was it, four movies, uh, Back to the Future was probably the best out of those. And that third one wasn't all that great. The first two were really good. The third one was not. I'm a huge Godfather fan and Godfather three, not that good. And (laughs) exorcist. Yeah. They could have just stopped after the first one, in my opinion. (laughs) And then the last one, the freaking Texas chainsaw massacre thing, you know, that whole thing started way long ago it took them forever to pick up steam and put out two and three and i was never a fan of that that first movie was a cult movie as it was and just yeah not my thing so i think i'll uh were there any good movies put out 1990 there was a bunch of good movies just not their third installment which if you think about it there's not very many movies that got to their third installment and it was still good yeah well uh let's see I think I, I like the Lethal Weapon 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the third Indiana Jones movie was my favorite, actually. Yeah, Last Crusade, really good. Yeah. Return of the Jedi, the third. Uh, never seen it. Really? You've never seen any yeah. of the Star Wars I'm, stuff? I'm not a Star Wars, Star Trek, don't care about any of that. Shit. God, yeah, I think we talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, what else? Superman 3 was a trailer park, <laughs> a trailer dumpster fire. Yeah, that was the one <laughs> with Richard 3. Pryor, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, awful. I can't remember if that one was waited for. I just know it wasn't very good. Well, I know there was a lot of great rock and roll that came out. There was a lot of great rock and roll separate from albums that came out that were 30 years old. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, listen, it's been a good three years. We've done a lot of stuff. We've talked to a lot of people. We've evolved. We've done a lot of things the same. I think we've got a lot of great episodes along the way. Uh, certainly we've had adventures outside of podcasting with monsters of rock crews and everything. So it's just definitely been an interesting three years and not that bad. <laughs> I rate it. Not that bad. Great. No, I, I was looking at pod chaser the other day and I think if you take all our bonus episodes and everything, I think we might be close to 200. Oh yeah. I would, Definitely guess that easily with all the bonuses and the little extra things we've done for sure. I mean, we put out a lot of content. I'd go so far as to say that for regular podcast, we probably have put out more bonus material than most of our counterparts that I'm aware of. For most people, it's one a week and uh, they're good with that. And we do that pretty consistently we've never missed a release date in our three years of existence and in most cases have given you at least one sometimes two episodes extra in a month span that's all good Uh, it's fun we've definitely i personally have learned a ton about music just 
discovering bands and discovering bits and pieces of information, useless information that'll never get me anything outside of my room here, but you know, whatever. First off, I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. (laughs) Yeah, I've learned a ton too. I've also experienced a lot of music that I had not really given a chance to in the past. I would say I'm 50-50 on that. Some I'm like, oh, wow, I kind of missed out on that. And some like, oh, yeah, wow. Now I know why I didn't give that a chance. And there's a couple of those today, to be honest with you. But yeah, I, I the big thing for me is um, I always wanted to be either in radio or the music business. I wasn't a good enough musician. I tried managing bands. I didn't work out too good. I tried booking bands. It was a pain in the ass. Uh, podcasting's offered me the opportunity to meet a bunch of people, talk to a bunch of people, and actually be able to talk music at least once a week, which is kind of nice because it was – a good amount of years, I wasn't doing that. Yeah, I've really enjoyed talking music with different people. And uh, I think even my wife, who's not really into this stuff, you know, enjoys conversations when we take long car trips or whatever. I fill her with a bunch of useless information. (laughs) It's kind of fun. Well, before we get too deep into this episode, because we've got a lot of uh, records to cover, five to be exact, uh, why not start with this? It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right. So for tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, we are going to feature the band Electric Mob. This is a new band on Frontier's record. And they're getting a lot of love. A lot of people are digging this record. It's a pretty good record. I haven't spent enough time with it. Uh, This is the newest and -and up-and-coming hard rock band from Frontiers. It's a mixture of powerful vocals, mean guitar riffs, and heavy grooves with influences from the 70s, 80s, 90s. The band is prepared to put Brazil back on the rock and roll map. That's right. You heard it correctly. This is a Brazilian hard rock band. I liked it the first pass that I've gone through and listened to it. But like I said, I just haven't spent enough time with it. So check out this tune called The Devil You Know.
So many just one that you like Yeah, so I've heard this album several times now. It's really good stuff. That song, normally I would say, God, it kind of drags. But then I was trying to kind of hear for if it was faster, would it have the same groove and the same feel? And would you be able to land the vocal as well as Renan did? And it's like, you know what? I think the slow groove works. And this is another voice guy. I guess this guy was on Voice Brazil. So these voice guys from other parts of the country or the world or the American Idol guys from other parts of the world are getting some gigs and damn, they're damn good. Well, you know, and it's funny because there's a trend because I just got an album today and I can't, unfortunately, I can't remember off the top of my head the name of the album, but it features a female vocalist and it said, basically, if you're fans of Hailstorm, you'll dig this. So, and she's a really powerful singer. She's really good. She's in Trans-Siberian Orchestra but she was also a winner or a, a runner-up in The Voice. I think it was Canadian version of The Voice, uh, if I'm not well, mistaken. 
So that was something that I thought about forwarding to you because I know you're a huge Hailstorm fan and you might like it. So I saw that Jeff Scott Soto posted recently that this is one of his favorite new bands, uh, Electric Mob. And funny to bring up your uh, boyfriend, Soto, but he also sings a duet with this girl on this new record that I just told you about. So that's another reason I thought, hey, you, you might be interested in this record. Yeah, send that to me. That'd be cool. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Well, you ready to get into tonight's discussion? Yeah, let's go with it. So we got five albums. Again, these are albums that in 1990 was this band's third studio album, similar to our third anniversary. So that's kind of where we went with it. We went and looked at somewhere between 75 to 85 albums, all kind of labeled hard rock. And these were really the only five albums that it was their third release. So the first one we're going to talk about is Faith, Hope, Love by King's X. Billboard Top 200, it got to number 85. It had three singles. It's Love, I'll Never Get Tired of You, We Are Finding Who We Are, and It's Love hit mainstream rock charts, but it didn't hit the Billboard 100 at number six. Here's my thought on this whole album. I will tell you admittedly, I never got into these guys, and until the other day, I had not even listened to this album in its entirety. It was very painful. I had no idea all three guys sang I had no idea that Tabor did It's Love, because that's the only song I really like, because it's got that memorable chorus. But that I'll never get tired of you is boring to me. The fine art of friendship is borderline unlistenable. There's just too many Beatles-type songs. That whole moan jam thing, I guess, you know, the great musicians, who cares? The Six Broken Soldiers, I was just like, what the fuck is this? And then you got a nine-minute song. I'm just like, I don't get it. And honestly, I don't want to get it. And I get that this album is like super revered by people. I don't know why. I guess I don't understand. Well, I think that's the problem that King's X has had throughout their entire career. I'm a fan of King's X. I like a lot of the stuff. However, I haven't listened to this record in its entirety in a long time. And I got into King's X with the song It's Love. I really, really like that song. It's one of their more straight ahead songs for me i'm a beatles fan and i like the harmonies i like the beach boys because i like the harmonies i like jellyfish because i like the harmonies i love those two and three part harmonies with bands i think it's very i just i like it a lot with king's x they do that really well and their their voices come together really well but I think where they lose people is that they are such good musicians and their stuff is kind of all over the place. My personal favorite song on this record is It's Love because it's more simplistic than anything else. Now, I think there's a lot of other good stuff on this. I think We Were Born to Be Loved is a great song. That's the one where they switch timing a lot, and I think it's just a very cool song. They have the ending, the false ending that's like different time signatures three, four times over.
they've got some really good stuff on this record. Another favorite of mine is A Fine Art of Friendship. You said borderline unlistenable. I don't find any music that's almost unlistenable unless it's just like screechy stuff. So I don't know. But yeah, I completely understand why King's X was divided down the middle with people that just didn't get it and don't like them at all. And people that are really fans because their loyal fans are very loyal to them. They have a really kind of rabid fan base that will go see them anytime they play. And that's why they're still playing some 35 years later. You know, I mean, they've been out there for a long time and they can still go out and do a full on tour and play not just on weekends, but play an entire tour of clubs and and do really well. So it's all good. Yeah, I guess those three will probably never be joining our podcast. Anyway, I don't think this next band is going to be joining our podcast anytime soon either, but it's Flesh and Blood by Poison. Yes, it was their third album. Got to the Billboard 200, got to number two. Number one was Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Them, and it was number one for a while. It had five singles, Unskinny Bob, Something to Believe in, Ride the Wind, Life Goes On, and Flesh and Blood Sacrifice. Flesh and Blood Sacrifice didn't hit any charts. And out of those four, the other four, two of them were in the top 10. Unskinny Bob got to number three and Something to Believe in got to number four. Now, we're talking about the original four here, right? So Brett, Bobby, CC, Ricky. Why a Poison album needs a mood-setting, weird, instrumental track, I will never know. Then immediately waste another 35 seconds on the beginning of Valleys of the Lost Souls. CC does fine in places, but... And by no means is he a guitar god, so I don't understand why they need Swamp Juice. Somehow this album went triple platinum. It has to be the something to believe in thing. And I just, Brett's voice just gets annoying to me after a while. No Poison album should be 14 songs long in 60 minutes. I I like Valley of the Lost Souls, Ride the Wind, and Don't Give Up an Inch. The rest of the songs, I could give two shits. I like the first album. I Just after that, I lost, they lost me. Wow. Yeah, we have two totally different uh, opinions of this. So here's my thought. I listened to this record for the first time front to back in a very, very long time. It's been a super long time since I've listened to this record. The first record to me is really meh. I mean, there's maybe five songs on that record that I really like. I just, I don't like the production on it. I think it's I don't know. I know it's uh, a lot of people love it, but yeah, it's just not my thing. I think that the production helped and the records got better as they went along. And so I like to open up and say, ah, and I liked this when it first came out. I thought that their songwriting had hit kind of its peak when this record came out. I don't mind the intro buildup to Valley of Lost Souls. It kind of sets the pace. It's more of something that you would use in a live setting. It's fine, but I like Valley of Lost Souls. And I think Flesh and Blood Sacrifice is a really good pop tune. It reminds me of their attempt to do Bad Medicine or write a Desmond Child song. I just think it's a catchy tune. I've always liked Flesh and Blood.
the swamp juice thing, yeah, I think that uh, they took so much crap with people just giving CC a bunch of shit, and he never really appeared to be like to your point, a guitar God. So they wanted to kind of shine a little light on his playing and gave him his own piece. Meh. I, who cares? Don't know. I know a lot of people don't like Unskinny bop. I like it. I think it's cheesy, but it's tasty. I think it's got a great groove and it's catchy as shit. There are a few other songs on here that I like. I think ride the wind is a roll your windows down and crank it up type tune on a summer day. I've always liked that tune quite a bit. I think Something to Believe in may be one of the best ballads that they've ever done. I think it's, in my personal opinion, it's an emotional tune and it really comes across really sort of honest when they do it live. I can feel the honesty in Brett when, his, when they perform this. It's just a song that I, and you know, I'm not a ballad person, but as ballads go, like, I just think that's a really decent ballad for them. Some of the other stuff is, is meh to whatever. It's okay. But there's a handful of songs on this record that I like quite a bit. So that's my opinion. Yeah, I think Life Goes On is better than something to believe in. But like that whole life's a, Life Loves a Tragedy or whatever, just sing about sex and rock and roll. Dude, leave that shit alone. And that whole poor boy blues, I'll get my blues somewhere else. Like I... If I want to listen to blues, I'll go listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan. I don't need it from Poison. Yeah, that that song is is weak and reminds me, for whatever reason, the course or something, it just reminds me of City Boy Blues from Motley Crue, which I didn't think was very good either. And Baco, just in case you missed it, rewind about five minutes. And yes, Steven said, I'd like to open up and say, ah, go ahead and clip that and use it wherever you want. Um, okay. The third album we're going to talk about is Heartbreak Station by Cinderella. Billboard 200, it got to number 19, had three singles, Shelter Me, Heartbreak Station, The More Things Change. Shelter Me and Heartbreak Station hit the Billboard 100. Shelter Me got to 36, Heartbreak Station got to 44. The band at this point, you're talking about the original four here, and there's a ton of guest musicians. I like that Tom writes most of the stuff. I, I kind of, at least brings a consistency to the music. For this album, to me, it ends up like almost being a Rolling Stones copy with a bunch of like different kind of interesting stuff. If I have my choice, give me Night Songs anytime because really that first album got it. I don't need Tom Kiefer to ever do a ballad ever in his life ever again. Um, I don't think his, his voice fits it. But the more things change, it's catchy as hell. And stuff like Love's Got Me Doing Times got some really cool pieces. But then like winds of change, I'm just like, no, thanks. And like one for the rock and roll. I'm like, what the hell is this? And that dead man's road thing is all stones. So there's just some things that are really kind of good on this. And then there's some things where I get it. You don't want to be hair metal, but guess what? That's how you make money. So just go with it. That's kind of my feel on this. So you and I are really close on this record. Yeah, this record for me is them to continue on separating themselves from all the other hair bands. You're exactly right in that. I think that this is their influence, influential record, meaning that they're spotlighting all their influences on this record. It's funny that you said Dead Man's Road, you felt was a Stones tune. I actually wrote... 
I, I kind of like the tune. It's a little bluesy, a little swampy, but I actually think that it reminds me of an earlier Aerosmith tune. There is some good stuff on this record. So I love The More Things Change. I think that Love's Got Me Doing Time is funky. I like it. It's a little bit different for them, but I loved it. I thought it was uh, Aerosmith-influenced. And yeah, too many ballads. One for rock and roll is straight up country tune. They got a lot of horns on this record for whatever reason. A lot of saxophone on this record. I don't really get that whole thing. So, you know, it's probably out of their first three albums is definitely my least favorite out of those first three. And in fact, in my opinion, it should have gone night songs, uh, long cold winter and then still climbing would have been a better third album than this one to me personally there's a lot of good shit on still climbing and i know all the problems that went into that record but to me that's just a better third record than this particular record and that's just my opinion yeah what's interesting about heartbreak station to me is it sounds like the tom Kiefer solo records because his solo records have a lot of sax and horns and you know it's the stuff he likes it's great it's not night songs. I guess I was hoping that Cinderella would have three or four of those type of albums before they got into this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So, you know, to them, this thing is basically Slippery, right? I mean, Slippery was his third, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, Slippery was Bon Jovi's third. Yep. What if he would have got completely away from the first record? Like, it would have been disaster.
Okay, the fourth album we're going to talk about, Jump the Gun by Pretty Maids. So you, so you can put this one in a bucket that uh, nobody's ever heard of, probably. Doesn't hit the Billboard 200, had two singles, Young Blood, Savage Heart, didn't chart anywhere in the U.S., and in the U.S., the album wasn't even named Jump the Gun. It was named Lethal Heroes for some reason. At this point, the band is Ronnie Atkins on lead vocals, Ken Hammer on guitars, Ricky Marks on guitar, not Richard Marks, Ricky, uh, Phil Moore on drums, Alan DeLong on bass, Alan Owen on keys, Ian Pace plays drums on Youngblood, Roger Glover plays bass on Dream On, and man, does Ronnie sound unbelievable on this album. I liked the polished production and the album art is unbelievable. Like the album art of some of this uh, pretty made stuff is put it in a frame and hang it up because it's really, really good. The album has a good mix of like keyboard, synth, and crunchy guitar. The Don't Settle for Less, which is my favorite song on the album, wasn't a single. It should have been because it probably would have done well and it would have done well in the US, I believe. The other songs, there's like probably four or five songs, Rock the House, Headlines, Jump the Gun, Hang Tough, Over and Out. They're good songs. It's just the chorus is not great. So it's like, it's almost like they needed a Holly Knight, a Ron Nevison, a Desmond Child, a somebody that helped them write catchier choruses. And all of a sudden they are more of a Bon Jovi then I guess a non-Jovi. I didn't mean that to be that way, but that's basically what it ended up being because <laughs> nobody knows who these guys are. But uh, there's some good stuff on this album. I think Dream On, that song is a shitty way to end the album, but man, Don't Settle for Less is one of my favorite rock songs out of this, basically out of this 90, 91 time frame. Yeah, so yeah, it's funny you mentioned about uh, them charting in the u.s yeah the u.s has really no idea who pretty maids is pretty maids is definitely more of a european band they had a little bit of success with their with the album that came right before this which was future world and then uh recently i interviewed ronnie atkins you can go back a few episodes it's a bonus episode and we talked a little bit about them being on tour with Deep Purple and Roger Glover hearing the demos for the song Savage Heart, he heard those demos and he wanted to produce this record. So he did. He ended up producing this record, which is why he appears on it and Ian Pace appears on it as well. This record was not successful for them because it's a little bit of departure from their established sound that they had with Future World. It is definitely more polished in every way, shape, or form. It's also, to me, a little bit more of a straight-ahead hard rock record. Less keyboards, more guitar. It's not a bad thing. There's a lot of great music on here. Don't Settle for Less. Sonny, you said that's one of your favorite songs. I love that song. Kicks ass. First one, Lethal Heroes, I thought, is just a straight-up hard rock and tune. Love that one as well. Savage Heart. Is it a power ballad? I'm not sure. It's one of those songs that sort of falls in that category of, is it a power ballad? Is it not? It's actually a decent tune. This album, the other thing that I noticed in listening to this album start to finish is that to me, it seems like it's an album divided down the middle. What I mean by that is that the first half of the record, that first four, five, six songs is sort of straight ahead, polished, hard rock. But when you get to songs like um, Partners in Crime and Hang Tough and Over and Out and Dream On, 
those sound like almost literally a totally different band. Partners in Crime, to me, sounds like a foreigner song. Sounds like it could have been on Agent Provocateur. I mean, it's just, it doesn't sound like Pretty Maids to me. And Hang Tough is super different. It's like Poppy. Sounds like it maybe is a song that would be on a movie soundtrack or something. And uh, both Hang Tough and Over and Out sounds like they were maybe going for a little bit of the Def Leppard sound a little bit with some of the vocals. I don't know. It's kind of weird for me. I don't necessarily hate it, but it's just weird. It's just different. Uh, I thought Partners in Crime is catchy all the way around. So, yeah, maybe it could be Foreigner. I thought like Hang Tough and Over and Out, it became cheesy. So that's, I put cheesy, but I get what you're saying about it wasn't as hard rock as the first five songs were.
it just had a whole different sound for them. It was like, I mean, yeah, it was just a whole different sound for Pretty Maids. Uh, and I think they lost a lot of their identity, which uh, alienated the fans that they had built with Future World, in my opinion. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And then the fifth album, which in my opinion is the best out of these five. I don't know if you're going to agree with the same, but it's Slave to the Thrill by Hurricane. And at this point, Hurricane's pretty much dead. They had two singles on this thing, Next to You, Dance Little Sister, neither one charted. It didn't hit the Billboard 200. Michael James Jackson produced it, but I guess he couldn't, it's still got to get marketed. I mean, just because, you know, MJJ produced it doesn't mean anything. The band at this point is a killer lineup. It's got Kelly Hansen on vocals, Jay Shellen on drums, Doug Aldrich on guitar, Tony Cavazzo on bass. That's a killer lineup. The album cover is ultra hot. Looks like a girl kind of enjoying herself. Um, there's some album covers that doesn't have the girl in there because they thought it was a little, you know, too maybe sexy kind of thing. Kelly sounds amazing on this album. He still has that and he's always going to have that, that weird vocal phrasing he does that almost makes it sound like he's yelling at you when he's singing, but he pulls it off. And that next to you song, if that thing is a Bon Jovi song released in 86 on Slippery When Wet, number one song. Like it's got, some of these songs have that top pop chart hit feel, but in 1990 with a band that nobody knows, with a singer that basically nobody's heard of, with no marketing, it just wasn't going to get anywhere. Um, Reign of Love is a great opener. I think it's super catchy.
you know, like stuff like Young Man's probably not written well. The 10,000 Years thing, I didn't think it was a great idea. Let It Slide's probably not a great song, and I don't need the instrumental effects. I get it, Doug. You're a guitar god. Got you. But there's some really good stuff on this, but for me, this fifth album was the best out of this five. All right. Well, let's see. 2020, Grown Up Rock's third anniversary. We've had COVID. We've had riots. We've had protests. For many, the end of the world is right around the corner. What'd you think we were doing? Prince of Darkness, it is I, Al Gore. I was almost president. What do you wish of me, Al Gore? And if anybody needed to hammer home that very fact, Sonny and Stephen agree on the best record (laughs) (laughs) of the five that was released in, in 1990. So this was a total surprise for me. So Slave to the Thrill, when it first came out, I sort of bypassed it. I had the Hurricane record with uh, I'm On To You. That was my first and only Hurricane record. I think it was their second record, if I'm not mistaken. I saw Hurricane open up for Striper, so I got to see the band live. I thought they were okay. I liked a few of those songs. I just sort of bypassed Slave to the Thrill. Well, recently, more recently than just the last week, uh, probably maybe two, three years ago, when I started looking into stuff and uh, I was really into Kelly Hansen singing for Foreigner, I just was like, man, he really is an amazing singer. He's really good. So I went back and rediscovered some of the Hurricane stuff. And one of the things I purchased was this Slave to to the thrill record and then i started reading about the whole doug aldridge thing and i like doug a lot he's a great guitar player and i listened to this record front to back and i was like man there's some really really good riffing stuff and the record sounds good rain i love next to you dance little sister i love all that stuff i think it's really good yeah i almost agree perfectly with you fx y that 10,000 years drags. That's the one song that Robert Sarzo, who was now gone, uh, had a co-write on it. I think it has a couple of cool riffs, but it's way too long. It's just, I don't know. There's, I'm not a big fan of that song. Um, but there's some other great stuff on this record. Start to finish, out of the five that I listened to, uh, I think it's probably my favorite out of those five, just personally. You know, and that's not to slide the Cinderella or the Poison or uh, any of the other stuff. It's just, uh, yeah, I really like this Slave to the Thrill record. Yeah, so like we said, you know, these five records. So King's X is, you know, finally hitting the chart with its love, and they're kind of probably headed into a a niche for them, right? They were going to be kind of like cult heroes. That's kind of where they were probably headed. Poison's got a number two record here, so they're – Basically, at the height of their popularity, you would have to say. Heartbreak Station by Cinderella, I mean, got to number 19, so they're still doing pretty good at least. They Maybe they're on the way down, but th- you couldn't tell it by this album the way it sold anyway. Jump the Gun, nobody knows. Nobody was ever going to know. Nobody still knows them. <laughs> like it just, Nobody knows they have tons of albums. You know, that first album, that Red Hot Heavy thing, I remember I went back and listened to that. I'm like, what the hell is this? Because I liked Future World. Yeah. And when you listen to that early, early stuff, it's like, this is terrible. 
terrible. Right. But, uh, you know, they're just, I guess they were trying to find their sound. And then once they found it, they kept beating that drum, but nobody in the U S was listening. And then hurricane was on it. So it never had a chance. Even the first two albums, you know, they had a, I'm on to you. Basically that was about it. They did okay with 18 for a second and then it was done. So they weren't getting any backing, um, anyway. And, uh, Doug Aldrich, I mean, he's on house of Lord Sahara. He's on this thing. Like he's bouncing around doing a bunch of different things and on a really bunch of cult albums. Nobody knows. So this slave to the throat thing ends up being like a dog eat dog kind of thing where, or, uh, what karma or some of these albums by some of these bands that are great albums that nobody really knows. Yeah, the Slave to the Thrill, like I said, was definitely just a surprise. And I think a lot of the personnel issues with uh, Hurricane kind of sunk them. Like you said, Doug Aldridge was uh, already committed to doing the House of Lords when they bought him in for this Hurricane thing because they tried to hire him permanently for the Hurricane thing. I remember uh, listening to Kelly Hansen tell that story uh, on somebody's podcast. And the jump the gun, I've really gotten into pretty maids a lot more as of late. Uh, like after Undress Your Madness came out, I thought that was such a great record from last year. I went and sort of started digging into uh, a lot of the back catalog and they've got a lot of great stuff. I mean, they put out a lot of really good records. You listen to, and, and even some of the more recent records, like I said, Undress Your Madness is really good. That live record that they just put out where they play Future World front to back is really, really good. Sounds fantastic. So Future World and even Red Hot and Heavy, there's a couple of things on there that I that I like. Um, but stuff like Pandemonium and Kingmaker, uh, there's just some really good stuff that Pretty Maids has done. Cinderella, like I said, I can find good stuff on Cinderella Records no matter what. To me, Night Songs was literally almost a perfect record. Uh, but everything after that, there had I had to take the good stuff and leave some of the stuff that I didn't really care for. Poison, same thing. I mean, I feel the same way about Poison. There's, there's stuff on every one of their records that I like and some stuff that I can just meh. And same for King's X. King's X more so than any of these bands. There's a lot of stuff that I'm like meh and a lot of stuff that I love. So I just pick and choose what I really like. There you go. So third anniversary traditionally is leather. So are you buying me a leather jacket or like I didn't get any gifts? Oh, dude, it's coming. I'm wearing this leather thong right now that I'm going to be wrapping up after we get done recording this. I'll go ahead and sign it to you, though. So it'll be game-worn. It'll be a game-worn jersey, so to speak. Because she got a great ass, and you got your head all the way up it. Good Lord. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we've done a bunch of different types of podcasts. We've done a bunch of interviews and, you know, we could reach out to listeners and say, you know, who would you like us to interview? Reality is we know who all those people are. You want us to interview, whether we can get an interview with them is usually the issue. But I would say, I would like to hear from the listeners on what are some of the types of podcasts you want to hear, like uh, subjects or, or was there past ones that we did that you want us to brush off and do some more of, uh, theme wise, et cetera. So, 
you know, cause there were some themes we did. We never went back and did a second version of it because we had a bunch of other ideas too. So, you know, like it would be interesting to listen, uh, hear that from the listeners. Yeah. I'm always up to listening to, you know, what's on people's minds. The, the thing that's hard is that everybody has different opinions and everybody wants to hear different things. And you know, as well as I do, we can't please everybody. <laughs> so we basically, I mean, listen, I think we're still doing the show today that we started three years ago. We started this show basically out of the love of rock and roll. And, you know, I think it feeds both of our creative passions sometime well we both do solo episodes from time to time i do a lot of the interviews simply because you're not available a lot of those interviews you know become bonus episodes where it's just i only get 30 minutes with somebody and in 30 minutes you can't talk about a whole lot of stuff some of the best interviews we've done have been the really long ones that you know is just kind of it's natural like, I mean, I love the Eric Martin uh, interview we did. I thought that was fantastic. I love the Dave Menachetti interview we did because, yes, it was our 100th episode, but I also think that we did something different instead of just talking to him about, you know, the same thing. And so I enjoy interviews like that. One of my favorite interviews is Ron Young from Little Caesar. Our friend over there at Cobras and Fire, Baco, just recently did an interview with him, and it also is great. Ron is just a great interview. He's honest, he's smart, and uh, he doesn't hold back. Uh, and he shares a lot of the same stuff that he shared with us, uh, you know, uh, a year and a half ago, whenever we did that interview, it was a while back. But that's a great interview to go listen to. I love that we've started to branch off and do different things like the playlist where, you know, we're not just talking hard rock and metal. We talk other stuff and, um, the Prince episode we did also same thing, you know? Yeah. I still hear feedback on the Prince episode, by the way. So, you know, cause people will just, I guess, search Prince in the podcast yeah, and they'll come across it and maybe listen. And every once in a while, somebody will message me on facebook saying hey you guys had a prince episode that was great i didn't know we had rock stuff yep so i mean i think it's fun to do things like that the thing about it is is it is our show and we can basically do whatever we want i don't mean that in a nasty way i just mean it in a creative way we're not bound by anybody nobody pays us to do something and uh you know we always want people to enjoy it and be entertained with it but if you're not then you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I just, uh, you know, I think, I think people are going to like what they will like and not like what they, you know, don't like. It's, I can't predict that. Like, you know, I don't know. Somebody may listen to the podcast because they like you or they may listen it because they like me. I don't, you know, or they may listen to it because they like the music. I, you know, who knows? I don't know. But we're doing what we like to do uh, from a creative standpoint and talk about what we like to talk about. And hopefully the, the idea is we entertain some people on the way, right? 
I can understand that they listen because they like me. I can understand they listen because they like the music. I don't understand if they listen if they like you. He's an asshole. Look at his haircut. Anybody with a haircut like that, you know he's an asshole. I can't put my hands around that. Hey, maybe nobody does like me. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I can't change the way I sound. And I can't. And at 53, at 53, I sure as hell can't change the person I am. So I don't know what to tell you. You stood, buttwad. It is what it is. He knows what I'm saying. <laughs> Somebody's listening. <laughs> uh, that's true. Somebody's listening, and they, ju- they ain't just listening to episodes with you or with me. They're listening to all of it, so it's all good. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. You wanted the best, you got the best. The hottest band in the world, motherfucking Kiss, what up? (laughs) Since we're talking about third albums, Kiss's third studio album was Dressed to Kill, and we know the boys in Skid Row absolutely are Kiss fans. So here is Skid Row from the album Besides Ourselves doing a rendition of the incredible Come On and Love Me. Yeah. 
dig it. I like this besides ourselves. There's some good stuff on there. I like that uh, priest cover they do as well. Yeah, it uh, surprised me, right? Because I, I wasn't in love with that. Uh, God, I want to call it grunge album. What was that album they put out after Slave? You're not talking about subhuman race, are you? Oh, good Lord. I don't like that album. Really? Yeah. It was too, I don't know. It was a cross between like grunge and Slayer to me for some reason. I was just like, I'm not interested. Mm, it had some stuff on there that I like. It was definitely a departure after after uh, Slave to the Grind. And obviously a lot of people feel the same exact way you do about it because it didn't do very well. But I like some of it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this Come On and Love Me, man. I, Skid Row, I think I've heard him do this live too. I can't remember. I was really drunk. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. So I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, at least I thought I heard it. Maybe I heard it on the way home, passed out. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, it's a great it, it's a great cover for sure. One thing I forgot to bust your balls on, and I meant to, and now it's kind of passed, but I'll go ahead and bring it up, which is at one point, if we were going song by song on some of these records on that Poison Flesh and Blood record, there was a song called Don't Give Up an Inch, and I was going to say, it's okay. It reminds me of Back to the Rocking Horse off the Open Up and Say Ah, but it's also what Sonny's ex-girlfriend says. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> That was a long time ago. That was a long, long time ago. That's a good. That's actually one of the good songs on that album that I like. It does remind me of "Back to the Rocking Horse" off of "Open Up and Say Ah," though. And I don't think it's just the cowbell in it. Yeah, just uh, kind of stitch up the final thing on Brett. There's got to be something about his vocal phrasing that if he phrases it a certain way, I can tolerate it. But if he phrases it a di- like the ballad thing, I cannot tolerate. Like, I, I don't know what it is about the way he sings ballads. And then there's times where I don't know if it's like staccato or if it's a little more countryed up. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but there'll be a point where it's like, okay, that one's annoying. That one was okay. That one's annoying. And I can't tell what the difference is. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. It's, I mean, I totally get it. I totally get it. What people say about him. There's some, there are some artists out there where I, I 100% get, uh, where other people are coming from. And then there are artists where it's just like, how, how in the hell do you not like this? Or how in the hell do you like this (laughs) either way? (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah. But nice little episode there, sir. Three years. Three years and counting, yeah. It's been uh it's been a ride and it's been fun. So continue to fly that flag for rock and roll. There's a lot of great music coming out these days, uh, and we're still discovering it. It's it's nice to discover some of the old stuff that we missed along the way, but it's also nice to raise that flag for the new shit that we're finding. And just a reminder when we do this next year, it will be our fourth anniversary four comes after three so then it'll be uh bands on their fourth release i don't know maybe it'll be the fourth song off their first album i don't know whatever we decide it'll have some sort of a four theme to it you do realize that by the time we get there uh one year from now i'll have no clue whether it's our fourth fifth or sixth that uh year right you do know that yeah yeah because I, you made me mess up because you put on the sheet that we turned four I was on Potter Than Hell the day later. So I'm like, yeah, it's our fourth anniversary. And I'm driving to work the next day. I'm like, wait a second. We haven't been around four years. I did that simply to make you look stupid on another person's show. (laughs) You're welcome. 
<laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I don't even know what my age is. Come on. I do. It's old. O-L-D. And I'm sober. <laughs> Make sure you guys stick with us through the month uh, because, like I said, each one of these episodes is going to have uh, this 1990 theme and this 30-year anniversary theme for albums and stuff like that. So should be a fun month. Yeah, and thank you for all the feedback. Keep it coming. And uh, if you want to get a hold of us, hit us on Facebook, Twitter, or uh, send us an email at growinguprock at gmail.com. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. Thanks to everybody that's been there from the beginning. And thanks to everybody that's come on along the way. We do appreciate each and every one of you guys. It's time to go now. Let's put a closer on this third year anniversary for the Grown Up Rock podcast. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.